in John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He truly is, isn't he? And his dealing with the woman taken in adultery verifies his declaration. For in it, he revealed the blindness of the scribes and the Pharisees. In chapter 9, Jesus again says, I am the light of the world. This time, however, the account that follows does not show and reveal blindness, but he heals it. If you are here today and you don't know him as personal Lord and Savior, or maybe you're wondering about him, Or you hear all this about him. And uh, I pray this morning that God would reveal to you his son. That uh, God would open your eyes to see, your heart to receive. That you would leave here today not blind but seeing. But if you know him as Lord and Savior... You have a job to do. You have a testimony to tell. And a lot of times we take our light that the Lord has given us and we hide it. And we're, we become undercover Christians and, and, and uh, we hide our light in under a basket. And uh, the scriptures clearly say, test yourself whether you are in the faith. And I named this, uh, kind of put a title to this, and it's, uh, What's Your Story? Because it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, you have a story to tell. There is power in the word in which you hold in your lap here this morning. And there's power in your testimony. Your story is unique and yours. You see, I was blind, naked, without hope, and lost. But see, when you're blind in the world, you don't know that you're blind. And I didn't know I was naked until the Lord clothed me. And I didn't know I was without hope until God gave me hope, true, living hope. And I didn't know I was lost until he came and found me. And like David, he has set my feet to dancing. I will not shut up, put up, back down. And just like David, I will be even more undignified than this. I don't care what the world thinks of me anymore. I am all his. And he has called me to share my story. Here's, here's mud in your eye. Let's start with chapter 9. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. 
And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered and said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, It is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought him, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, What do you say about him? Because his, his, he, he opened, his, opened your eyes. He said, He is a prophet. And the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. But they called his parents to him who had received his sight, and they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind, and then does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So they asked again the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple. We are Moses' disciple. We know that God spoke to Moses. For As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. 
Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. This man were not from God. He could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Jesus said that, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, I have both, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Let us bow our heads and pray over the word. Father, we commit this time in learning and all that lies before us, Lord. We want to spend this time with our Bibles open, studying your word, our hearts attuned to you and open to hear your voice in this morning. We have seen enough to know that you can change us, you can fix us, you can shape us. It is our heart's desire that you would move by your spirit through this service to make us more like you. We want to grow from glory to glory, from faith to faith, that we would know you as you really are. We want to go farther than we have. We want to go deeper than we ever have. That we would know that we know that we have eternal life in you. Give us that assurance, Lord, we pray. And peace that only comes from you. Speak to our hearts, Lord, we pray. Open our blind eyes to see, like this blind man, that we would leave seeing. And may we hear that still, small voice in this place. In Jesus' precious name, amen. For us to truly understand what we read this morning, I think it's uh, important that we know what happened in chapter 8. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were attacking him. And they were calling, saying that he had a demon. And they were attacking his credentials. And I love it just for the fact is because they ask a pivotal question. And if you want to turn to chapter 8 with me real quick, we're going to start at uh, verse 48. And, and, And as we read this, I want you to feel the tension mount between Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. And you 
dishonor me. And I do not speak my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Now the tension amounts. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? I love that they ask that question. Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar just like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and rejoiced. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? You've got to understand what Jesus was saying. He was answering their question right on the nose. Jesus was not just claiming that he had lived before Abraham. He was claiming eternal existence. And Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And he used the title of the God of the Old Testament. The great I am. We sang it this morning. How powerful. And he took that, the the voice that Moses heard at the burning bush. Where God Almighty, the great I Am, told Moses to take off your sandals for the ground that you stand on is holy ground. And he took the name and says, I Am. Before Abraham was, I Am. And I love the scribes and the Pharisees because where sometimes when we read the Bible, we might miss the point. But the Jews did not miss it. And read right after that. Then they took up stones to throw at him, and Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Incensed by his claim of deity, Jesus claimed to be the great I Am of the Old Testament. The Jews understood completely what Jesus was claiming to be. And they took up stones to throw at him. But not more than a stone's throw away said a man whose life would radically change forever, physically and eternally. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who sinned? The disciples' voice that foundational question that we all ask. Why is there suffering in the world? 
Why? We all ask it. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there so much suffering in the world? Mostly we ask, why me? Why am I stricken with this illness? Why cancer? And uh, the disciples were, were trying to be loyal students. Their heart was to be teachers. In verse 3, Jesus gives them the answer. Neither this man nor his parents sin, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. It could be said that all sadness, sickness, sorrow, are indirect results of sin. We inherited a fallen world. Ever since Adam fell in the garden, we have an earth that's decaying and fallen. But Jesus says, no one can point a finger. It's not this man or his parents. And I talk to many people and they say, the reason that they're vulnerable to the occult, to porn, to drugs, alcohol, to sin, is because it's been handed down from generation to generation. It's in my genes. I saw it. I got it from my parents. Scripture, however, teaches exactly the opposite. In the days of Ezekiel, people would justify their own sin with a proverb that said, The fathers have eaten sour grapes and their children's teeth are set on edge. And God, however, said, As I live, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. In other words, God was saying, Every single soul is created by me, belongs to me, and individually responsible to me. It is not this man or his parents but that the works of God should be manifest in him. What Jesus was saying was, he was blind to show God's glory. God at times allows us to experience difficulties, hardships, and suffering in order to accomplish his works in us. I want you to turn with me to 1 Peter if you'd like. And as I was reading this, I, I, I couldn't imagine the suffering and the testings and the trials that the Jews were going through at this time. Because Christians at this time were being used as candles in, in, uh, in the courts of the Roman government. They were being beheaded hung upside down, beheaded. And this is what Peter said to the church, starting at verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through the faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have an inheritance incorruptible. And he was assuring them, he was comforting them, that what you have, it's going to be revealed. It can't be taken away. No matter what happens to you, it's yours. And he goes on to say, and I want you to get this, In this you greatly rejoice. And we do, don't we? Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unexpressible, full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You know, gold is refined in fire, and sometimes our faith is going through a refining, it's being tested. But not to break us, but to build us up. That God would reveal himself in it and through it. That he sees us through our suffering. And he is making us what he wants us to be. And it's not without that testing through the fire that he is glorified. And we see Christ manifest in our life. And, and he is building us from faith to faith. Apostle Paul spoke of his suffering and said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to, to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If you're going through testing and trials, it is because God wants to be glorified in it. If you're going through an illness, God wants to shine through it. We often shine our brightest light through the trials and testings of our faith. God is perfecting our faith. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting at verse 7, he says, unless, I want to I build us up to it. First, what he says is, I was shown visions of my Lord. I was taken up into the third heaven. And I was seeing things that I could not even express. It would be a sin for me to express what I saw. 
And he goes, because of this revelation, which encouraged me, he goes, lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations which I saw. He says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing. I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me, that it, would, that, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God does not spare us the testing of our faith, my friend. But he helps us overcome them. He sees us through them. He shines his glory when we're going through the testings. And and his strength accomplishes that task in our life. I know my trials, God strengthens me and uses it for his glory. When I was in my accident, God gave me several, many opportunities to share the gospel story. When I was on the road and hit by a truck. And uh, a lot of people asked, if God loves you so much, why would he let that happen? And if I could turn back the hands of time, I wouldn't change a thing. Because God shined through it. And I got to share my story with the Times News it was printed. My story was printed in the Buell Herald, full page. And I got to share of God's goodness and faithfulness through it. And many times I've been able to share the gospel story because of my accident. And because of the scar on my arm, I've been able to share of God's faithfulness through it. Through my weakness, I am made strong in Christ. Let's go back to the story. In verse 5 he says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus has called us to be light bearers. Sunbeams. He said, As long as I am in the world, I am the light. He has left us to be his light. We are his witness in the world. Do we shine his light? Because a lot of times our light is hidden and under a basket, isn't it? Do we shine our light for him? Because a lot of times I look around the church and I think we've been baptized in lemon juice and I don't see the joy of the Lord shining through us do we truly shine his light
Verse 6 goes, When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with his saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Healing of the blind being the miracle most often recorded in the gospel accounts we see happen in various ways. One time he spoke and a blind man received sight. In another instance, he touched the blind man's eyes and he saw. In another account, he touched him twice and he received sight. Here, he used mud. You know... uh, We always try to put God in some kind of box. And they do it today. It's got to be done this way. You know, and uh, Jesus works creatively so that we cannot put him in a box. Because we would have ministry saying, oh, well, he spoke. He spoke the word. So we're going to call our ministry the spoken word. Come and be healed with the spoken word. Or he touched his eyes, so the laying on of hands, healing ministry. Or here's mud in your eye ministry. You know, Jesus didn't need to speak the word. He didn't need to lay on hands. He didn't need the mud. It's all about him. He is the one that healed. Not only was the blind man blind from birth, but now he had mud in his eyes. He came back seeing. This miracle gives me great encouragement. You see, we are not called to analyze, theologize, but to serve one another. See, the disciples were attempting to be teachers, but Jesus was calling them to be touchers. Jesus is calling you and I to touch one another. To be hands-on ministers. See, they were, they were looking at it and, and, and they were saying, Lord, Lord, what was it? Was it his sin or was it the parents? And Jesus walked over and anointed his eyes. We are called to pray. We are called to lay hands on one another. We are called to anoint with oil and heal the sick. We are Christ's hands and feet in the church today. But a lot of times we come to be served. I believe in addition to encouragement to me, I believe this was a great encouragement to the disciples. And I suggest that this miracle must have brought great encouragement to our Lord Jesus as well. For as the Jews picked up stones to throw at him in John chapter 8, Jesus outside the temple said a man who would not only receive his sight, but also was brought to salvation. What a marvelous thing. Verse 8 goes, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was born blind 
said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? The, uh, the disciples asked why. His neighbors asked how. I think they and us a lot of times miss the point. It was him. Verse 11 goes, And answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. You know, he didn't see Jesus spit on the ground. All he felt was mud in his eyes, and he went and washed. He didn't know how it was happened. All he knew is that, that it did. That's a lot like you and me, isn't it? We don't know how it happened. All we know is that he did. Just like Jesus, we were in darkness, now we see. They brought him who was formerly blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay on my eyes, I washed and I see. His testimony was 12 words long. He put clay on my eyes, I washed and I see. If Jesus has touched you, changed you, healed you, opened your eyes, redeemed you to himself, you have a testimony to, to tell. Has he created in you a new creation? I have to ask that because the, the, the scriptures say, test yourself whether you are in the faith. Because Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, a Pharisee. And uh, he said, teacher, we know you come from God. Because no one can do the works that you do unless God be with him. And Jesus said, cut through all of the small talk and says, Unless a man be born again, he can by no means see the kingdom of God. And that born again experience is that changing that Christ puts in you. And it's not attending church. It's not owning a Bible. It's not being a part of this Bible study and that Bible study and I got to do this and I got to do that. He's creating in us a new creation. And we need to test our faith. Is he really? Do we know him? Are we a new creation in him? Verse 16 goes on to say, 
Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. And I believe with all my heart that one of these men that was asking this pivotal question, how can he be a sinner and do these signs, was, was Nicodemus, which I was talking about, which in chapter 3 Jesus spoke to. I believe what Jesus said to him, he had to leave that night and deal with what he said. See, they were saying, that violates statute 246-309 of our statute law, which forbids the making of clay on the Sabbath day. But some believe, and I suspect one of them was Nicodemus. Then said the blind man again, what do you say about him? No, then said... To the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said he is a prophet. See, Jesus went from being a man to a prophet. Not only, not within five minutes of his faith. He goes on to say, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind, receiving his sight. And they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they said to him, saying, Is this your son who who you say was born blind? How does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. By what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. You know, to be put out of the synagogue meant that you lost all privileges. You lost the privilege to pray to God. You lost the blessings of God. It meant that your family would trust, would treat you as though you were dead. If you had a business, you would be off limit to all Jews. So to be put out of the synagogue was a great thing. And they said, we do not know, he is of age, ask him. So they said again to the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory, we know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, and as I read this, I I, I get that he's getting bolder and bolder as he's sharing his story. Getting a little annoyed also. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner, I, I know, I, or not, I do not know. One thing I know is that I was blind, now I see. I really like this. The blind man said, you may be able to trip me up intellectually, outmaneuver me, outmaneuver me logically, 
But all I know is this. I was miserable, blind, wretched sinner just like you. And now I see. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did, you, how did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? You can sense he's becoming irritated at the questioning. And he asked them sarcastically, Do you want to follow him? This is where it really gets fun. Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple. We are of Moses. We, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear from sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. What wisdom from a blind man that just received his sight. In Isaiah prophesied three times, that the Messiah came, he would open the eyes of the blind. Here the blind man, now six minutes old in his faith, says, the one who opened my eyes, he is of God. How else do you explain what happened to me? Never in history has it been heard of that a blind man from birth received his sight. You're professing to be authorities, yet you can't answer this simple question. There's a story told of a teacher who was as wise as this blind man. Four of her seniors came cruising into class late one day. Sorry we're late again, but we had a flat tire on the way to school. Oh, she said, okay, you sit here in this corner, Bill. You and that one, Steve. Jim, you take the seat in the third corner, and Joe, you're in the fourth. Now take out a piece of paper and write down which tire was flat. You know, this newly sighted man is doing the same thing, isn't he? He's deflating the puffed-up egos of his accusers, the Pharisees and the scribes. They should have been cut to the heart. They should have recognized their Messiah had come. It took a blind beggar who just received his sight to point this fact out to them. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sin, And are you teaching us? And they cast him out. When we share our faith and people start to call us names, 
when they get uptight and they get angry with us, we should rejoice in it. Because when you throw a stone in a pack of dogs, the one that barks the loudest is the one you hit. Ain't that right? I'd rather have someone react in this way and then to hear them say, you got your way, I got mine. One day we'll be floating in the clouds together in bliss. That frustrates me to no end because it's hard to penetrate someone that says that. No, we're not. And, and just because someone can be excited about their faith or sincere or devoted and committed doesn't mean they're saved. Either our Lord is a liar or they're lost. And we need to know the true gospel and share with them. Because not all faiths, no matter how sincere, no matter how devoted, are going to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And we need to know who he is. And we need to walk in that faith. And we need to know our Bibles. What does the Bible say about him? Because many will come to him in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did I not do these, these things in your name? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. And we need to know the Lord of the Bible. And we need to believe and place our trust in him because it's not in what we do. It's not the church that we attend. It's not being a member. It's not owning one of these and bringing it to church every Sunday or being a part of the worship team or teaching Sunday school. It's in faith in Him that we are saved. But when they get angry at us, it means they're convicted, they're cut to the heart. God can deal with that because when Jesus left, see, what really gets me is, is that Jesus wasn't only showing an example to his disciples and teaching them, and not only was he drawing this blind man to himself and he was getting saved, which is a great thing, and we sort of focus our eyes on that, but he never, ever gave up on the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders. Ever. And he was dealing with their heart. As we read this story, he never gave up. And it says, some believed. There was a division among them, and I believe their leader was Nicodemus. As he was coming to faith, he was trying to draw them in.
In verse 35 he goes, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Do you get what he said? Jesus went after him, went and got him. That's like our Father. We always read and we we sing, I found Jesus. No, we didn't. He went after us and got us and drew us. And I believe he's drawing hearts today. And this is what Jesus said. You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. The blind man went from calling Jesus a man, a prophet, to calling him Lord. I am cut to the bone. I am no less blind I was no less blind, no less wretched, no less lost than this blind man. And he saved me. He gave me a new life. No, he gave me life. And I was walking dead. But I didn't know I was dead. I thought I had it all figured out. I know I have a story to tell. We bear witness in our hearts the Lord who saved us. The word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. What is your story this morning? Are you a witness of God's grace and mercy? Do we realize who we are in Christ Jesus? Has he changed you? Shout about it. Get excited about that. Peter wrote concerning our witness. He said, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Do you have that hope and that assurance? Because let me tell you, you won't have to stand at the corner and shout at people and make a scene. If you truly have the light in you, people will ask you about that hope that shines through every trial, every testing of your faith. People's going to wonder what makes you smile through it all. And you and I have a story to tell. Have we sanctified the Lord God in our hearts? Do we know Him as Lord and Savior? Is He your all in all? Or do we walk the fence in our faith? Let me tell you, there's no power in walking the fence. There's no power in lukewarm Christianity. Are you in or out? 
See, the blind man received his sight and within 15 minutes he had a story to tell. The Pharisees were angry with him. They did not know what to say to him. They were convicted and cut to the heart. And they reviled him. I like that. That moves me. Because uh, they knew the Bible and this blind man had never read a word. and was cutting them off. Your story is unique. No one else has it. And your story will touch people and touch hearts with the gospel story that no one else can touch. No one else can use your story. And God has given you people to witness to. What is your story this morning? Will you share it? God can use it to touch people with the gospel. There is power in God's word, in prayer, and in the word of our testimony. This is an opportunity this morning, because I, I, I've been praying all week that God would move by his spirit on the hearts of this church. Do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior this morning? Could we uh, dim the lights? Because I pray with all my heart that you would not leave here without knowing Him. That you would, God would open your eyes to that spiritual blindness. And I want all of you saints to, to, to bow your heads. And if you'd like to accept Jesus as Lord this morning, just raise your hand. Anyone like to accept Jesus as Lord this morning? Just, just raise the tiny hand. If you are Christ, and, and I have to believe that all of you are Christ this morning, I don't want to embarrass you. But if you don't know Christ this morning, raise your hand. Take a step of faith. Okay, saints, let's pray. Let us all stand. Lord, I confess I've been more like a Pharisee than I care to admit. That's not my heart. That's not our heart. Help me to be free from religion, to die to self, to live for you. Help us to keep our eyes off each other, loving one another, serving one another, and our eyes fixed on you. Give us once again the joy of our salvation, fresh and new today that we may have a heart for people to be a light of the lost and a light to the world. Encouragers to those that seek hope, to those that serve with us, 
that we would be pleasing in your sight. Give us a heart like yours. Give us boldness to share our story to those around us. Help us to be ready when the opportunity comes to share our testimony. Lord, we pray that all would know you today in this house. That you are Lord and Savior. That no one would leave here without a personal relationship in you. Lord, uh, we walk by faith, not of works. Lord, we trust in you and you alone, for you are the Lord of salvation. In this we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.